hi everyone and welcome to another special edition of VLGA Connect and I'm joined by the CEO of the VLGA for this one, Catherine Ard. Hi Catherine. Hi Chris, how are you today? Going very well, thank you and welcome. Good to see you as always. And we're really pleased today to have with us the new Chief Municipal Inspector with the Local Government Inspectorate in Victoria, Michael Stefanovic. Michael, welcome to VLGA Connect. Thank you very much, Chris, and good morning to you and Catherine. Thanks very much for uh, putting this on for me today. Thank you. You're very welcome. We, we like to use the program to introduce people such as yourself who are reasonably new to the sector in Victoria and to talk a bit about your role and your approach to the role. And I know we didn't choreograph this, Catherine, but I'm going to give you the honour of question number one. Oh, thank you, Chris. And welcome, Michael. Uh, the VLGA is really pleased to have you on the program today. And Really, it's just an opportunity for you to introduce yourself to the sector. I'm sure you've already got around, whether it be virtually or perhaps um, some face-to-face before this latest lockdown, but to tell us a little bit about your background, what you're um, hoping to bring to the role, and I guess some of your early um, observations of the local government sector here in Victoria. Thanks again for uh, having me here and giving me this opportunity. Look, I'd like to say that... um, I am actually very new to the local government sector. I, up until very recently, I was like any other ratepayer. I, uh, you know, my, my new councils did a lot, but uh, only in my new role have I really started to appreciate how uh, complex the, um, the challenges are that councils face. But um, my background, uh, I came out of law enforcement. I was with Victoria Police for just under 15 years with the crime squads. I was a homicide squad for five years. I then left to go overseas to the War Crimes Tribunal, and that sort of started me on a path of about 15-plus years in, in and out of international organisations, the UN and the World Bank in different roles, um, always in the investigations. Um, I spent time at the World Bank which in Washington, which is probably where I first came to learn how to adjust to new sectors, things I had no awareness of. So... Uh, for example, you know, one week my teams might be investigating a highway project in Nigeria, and the next week my uh, Southeast Asia team is looking at a, uh, uh, a microfinancing project down in um, Southeast Asia somewhere, and uh, areas I knew nothing about, and I had to sort of try and come up to speed with this as quickly as I possibly could. Um, I find myself with that steep learning curve right now with local government. I've got to ask that question, Michael, given that background, and that's, you know, the, the pretty significant roles that you've had. What's attracted you to this role with local government in Victoria? It is, uh, I'm glad I left the police. I enjoyed my time with the police, but uh, you know, having been out and around the world, I've seen different ways things operate and get a greater appreciation of how my law enforcement background sort of can be used in so many different ways in so many different sectors. And uh, certainly the World Bank, as I said, gave me that first exposure. Uh, and it really opened my eyes to working in multidisciplinary teams where, you know, we, for any given project, you know, you can't just have, you know, uh, you you run a bill detective looking at it. You need a mixture of, if it's a highway project, for example, you'll need certainly investigators from different backgrounds, but you'll need highway engineers. You'll need uh, understanding how supervising engineers work on those projects. You'll have to understand how the financing works uh, at national, state and local levels. Uh, It's procurement processes, uh, environmental processes, uh, things that, you know, 
homicide detectives um, don't tend to turn their minds to. So it, it was, it's just, again, and having seen that and then seeing the opportunity with local government, I think it's, it's like the, what I saw at the World Bank is, is, is a bigger version of what local governments do. And uh, so I think that's where it's, you know, your local governments have got, you know, heavy responsibilities in all of those areas. Uh, and when things go wrong locally, it's the council that people turn to, to in the first instance to get, you know, some sort of sense of whether or not they're going to get resolution to the problem they, they face. So um, I think it's yeah, out of that background, I think, that has drawn me to this role. And uh, as I said, on arrival, um, you know, I've been um, you know, very, very happy with the depth of the team that I have at the LGI. I have a number of my staff have been there since the outset and I lean on them a lot in my first seven weeks uh, for their expertise. Uh, and their networks. They're just amazing networks. They know um, pretty much everyone in local government, past and present, and uh, you know, I make the most of them. Uh, the other things in terms of observations in the first seven weeks, uh, I, I've really come to see how we sort of sit in a key role in the integrity system in Victoria, uh, particularly our relationships with the Ombudsman's Office and also IBAC. Um, and I say we, we're sort of positioned somewhere in between um, uh, in terms of the, the nature of the things we look at. And uh, in my address to um, the Integrity Oversight Committee of Parliament yesterday, I sort of made the uh, uh, observation that we, uh, the work that we do at the local government inspectorate can essentially help to head off problems before they rise to the level that might go to uh, necessitate an IVAC investigation. Michael, sorry to jump in there. If we can just explore that a little bit further and, and certainly even picking up your, um, taking us through your journey of your background. And I guess what you're describing here, looking at your background and the work that you've done and also the role of the inspectorate is, is exactly that. It is an inspectorate. But I wonder um, when we think about those other integrity agencies and also the role of the inspectorate, where do you see the work of the inspectorate perhaps also um, going into that education and guidance area in the local government sector? I think it's it's all well and good to, to do investigations and you know, detect breaches and things, but to what end? Like if, if, no, if they're not packaged up and exploited for the learning opportunities, then uh, that's a real failing of the system. Now, we're, as you know, we're a, we're a small office. We have 16 people. Um, but fortunately, with the nature of the work, there's, there's often lots of opportunity with the Ombudsman's Office, with IBAC, and with their, you know, their significant capabilities in the area of education, prevention and outreach. Um, so we, we get invited to uh, participate in many of their events um, and give the local government inspectorate perspective on uh, on those matters that cut across the various integrity agencies. Michael, in terms of where your early focus in the role is going to be, I noticed a new newsletter's come out from your office in the last week or so with some interesting stats about the election, particularly the number of complaints from last year. Is that informing a lot of what you're doing right now, following up on those issues? Yeah, at the moment with the, ele the election, as you, as you know, they, they come around every four years. Now, for us, that means that our workload goes up tremendously in that, that small window um, during the period that the election is live. Now, so we typically run around four to 500 uh, complaints a year. During the, 
the most recent election, we um, we received about 800 plus election related complaints. So uh, in the span of about seven weeks, our the numbers on our books tripled. So um, many of those things are matters that really didn't rise to the level of an investigation. The vast majority of those are, are that uh, that way uh, inclined. Uh, some do. Uh, the one of the things that I've Again, I've come into it afterwards, so I can sort of see how officers process it. But one of the things that I've noticed, and it it gets to where I'm taking the office in the short term, is the way in which we deal with our complainants. Like, we, you know, any integrity body, um, the complainants are the lifeblood of the office. Uh, now, at the moment, we have a system, a case management system, that really is uh, uh, outdated, uh, it doesn't give the complainants or us the ability to track something through from life cycle. So what I'd like to, to have is a system, a case management system that allows the complainant to enter the, their complaint online. Um, there's milestones that are built into it so that we, our office, are required to go back to the complainants to tell them certain things in terms of the progress of their matter through the system. Uh, and it also gives us the ability to have that information put directly into our investigation system. Uh, at the moment, we don't have that. Uh, it also limits the amount of, you know, in past lives, past role, investigative roles. Before I'd send my teams off around the world to do investigations, I'd ask them, what do we already know? What have we learned from prior cases? What have we already got in the system? Now, with the LGI, uh, we, uh, our system doesn't really enable us to look at trends over time uh, because it's... This, uh, this system is uh, so old and uh, it, now we've moved across from the um, Department of Permanent Cabinet, we're now over at Justice. Uh, it's pretty clear that this system has to be replaced. Uh, so I'll be doing that in the very short term. But we're talking about a, a, an IT system there, aren't we? A case management system that has a technology solution. Yeah, it is. But it's, it's, it's sort of fundamental to a lot of things. Like any, any agency it, you know, that deals with consumers of one sort or another or complainants uh, has to be able to sort of track those complaints properly, make sure that it's user-friendly for the, 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 the people that come to you. It's also user-friendly internally. And also, like for basic reporting, uh, we we really struggle at the moment. We if we were to be asked questions about volumes of cases in any given time or, or particular style of cases that we we look for complaints, that involves one person sitting down with a spreadsheet for a lot of time, uh, a lengthy period of time to compile that. As modern systems now have dashboards that enable you to do that uh, much uh, more effectively. Michael, if we just go back to um, the recent election, and I know that you've come in after that. Are you able to tell us a little bit about the themes, I guess? And you mentioned that there were some of the complaints that came in that um, uh, I guess weren't, um, didn't require further scrutiny or investigation. Were you, are you able to share any sort of observations about why that might've been the case? Often it's a misunderstanding. Like um, the, the complainants don't understand that, uh, that Candidates are allowed to sometimes say things that they may perceive as outlandish. Uh, you know, it's robust electioneering. Uh, you know, there's case law on it that, uh, you know, candidates uh, will often push the envelope. Uh, so it's very hard for, a, for the, the person on the street to understand where the line exists as to what's appropriate and what's not. So sometimes we help to, to explain that. Uh, other times, too, candidates might use information. They might sort of use council data or statistics and they they might misrepresent it. They might put the wrong numbers in. 
Um, they may do it deliberately. They may do it accidentally. So, uh, you know, sometimes when those things occur, we, even though there's, uh, you know, councils have got to be very careful about what they do in that period of the election in terms of uh, they don't want to be seen to be interfering in the election process. It's okay for councils to actually correct uh, uh, errors in data used by candidates. So a number of times we've had to go back to council and say, no, that's okay. You, you are entitled to, to correct the record. So it, there's a lot of that that occurs. Uh, other, other things that may well be, they're matters that involve the Electoral Commission. They're, they're things that's, that the Electoral Commission can deal with, such as advertising banners and, and, and presence of people within X metres of polling places and those sorts of things that they deal with under the Electoral Commission. Uh, they're not matters that we deal with. Yeah. Uh, so at the end of that, we, while we get a lot of cases and it's typically about 30 to 40 cases a day or sort of complaints a day during the election period, um, the vast majority of them are things that uh, are dealt with by explanation of the processes, uh, referral to the um, Electoral Commission or to, or to others. Very few ultimately result in, in, in a full-on investigation and we're still going through that sort of process now to assess the ones that we think may rise to that. But I'll just give you a, a bit of a flavour too. One of the other things that came out is the, um, uh, the, the role of social media and the way in which it's sort of been weaponised, uh, uh, not just in uh, local government, but around the world, uh, you know, to, to make points or to detract from the points that others are making. So um, it's clearly a, a played a role in the local government elections as well. I was going to raise that very point, Michael. Have you come across that in any of your other roles, the influence that social media is starting to have on the way these, um, like, election campaigns are run? It's very easy now for someone to make a complaint. So if you're, if you're in a you know, public office somewhere uh, or it doesn't, it doesn't even need to be public office, it could be corporates. Um, I've also done some work in that area as well. It, it's very easy to someone... To, to lodge a complaint to do so anonymously. Um, that, that's all that's, you know, in the last 20 years, it's been pretty easy for anyone to get on and lodge an, an email under, create a fake email account and send off a, a, a spurious complaint. But the, the difference now is that they can amplify it by setting up false social media identities and uh, they put their, their complaint out if they know how to manipulate um users or, or plant it seeded into the right populations of online users then they can the, the tremendously magnify the effect that they have um, and they can largely still remain anonymous when they do so so it's a real challenge for everyone um, to uh, to you know regulate that and to investigate it when it does occur michael uh, looking forward in terms of your approach to your uh, your role here how how are, what is your approach to getting to know the sector, um, find out who's who and what are the current issues. I imagine that's uh, top of your list of things at the moment. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I started seven weeks ago. I think on my sixth day, I was at the Aldwark, um Forum in Fitzroy in the Town Hall. And uh, that was my first exposure uh, to a, a large group of um, representatives from across the sector. Uh, since then, I've done a number of other events typically with IVAC uh, or the Ombudsman's Office. Uh, now, obviously, COVID has an effect here, but uh, I would like to get out and meet uh, people from across the sector and understand what the challenges are there. 
Uh, one thing I will say, and it's, it's clear to me from the outset, and I did raise it at the Alba Forum, is that uh, my job is not to get in your way in local government. You know, our job is to sort of try and help you to sort of, you know, push the good, good governance standards and uh, to, to ideally to get in and identify things early uh, and address them early before they arise to things that might necessitate either us or um, others potentially taking sort of some form of enforcement action. So I think it's, you know, we're not, we're not there to, to, to kick doors in and, and uh, you know, demand people hand material over. We've certainly got robust powers. Uh, we can certainly call people in for examinations and produce materials, but uh, by and large, the, the LGI over the last decade of its existence has operated through cooperation and, uh, you know, working closely with council uh, to, um, to deal with problems. But I think dealing with them in a timely way uh, will hopefully avoid those things arising, you know, that, you know, unfortunately we'll, we see in the sensational things that appear before IVAC. Uh, so we can get in there early and uh, help work through conflicts of interest and things like that that arise. Then um, you know, hopefully, and make sure the council, which is where we can, on our proactive side, looking at uh, you know, we we can choose to go in and look at various things that councils do, various systems, uh, processes, um, just to see whether or not they've got pro due processes in place to deal with conflicts as and when they arise, and to give the guidance to councillors. Um, and council staff when uh, when necessary. So we can go in and look at that. And, uh, you know, we also take, well, you know, we do have that own motion ability. So we will take guidance if, if there's people in the sector who think there's a particular area uh, of concern or thematic area that, that they think warrants the inspectorate having a look at, uh, by all means, send it in and we'll consider it. Michael, I understand you've also been talking perhaps with counterparts in other states. I wonder, is that to learn what they're doing or are they looking at what's happening in Victoria or is it both? Both. It's uh, the At the moment, we, from the best that I can determine, we have one uh, close counterpart, which is up in Queensland, the Office of the Independent Assessor. They've got a slightly different model there, uh, more prosecution driven. Uh, they've also got, as you know, their, their councillors work on a different uh, remuneration uh, level. Yeah. Uh, so they've got, their dynamics are quite different. Um, but we've also been approached against in, in the short term that I've, time that I've been there by another state looking at, at the systems that we operate. And they're obviously comparing it with Queensland and, and others as to how this work is done. Even though states that don't have a dedicated uh, local government inspector do have various elements of the function elsewhere. Uh, so you know, they're making those decisions about whether to roll what they do into a, a dedicated body such as us, or maybe they're keeping elements in, in standalone components in, within other agencies. But um, yeah, certainly it's, it's both. Like I, you know, but I, when you look at other agencies, and again, from my prior experience, certainly at the World Bank and the United Nations, we, one of the key things we did was benchmark ourselves against others. Uh, but the difficulty with benchmarking yourself against others is, um, or measuring yourself, is we need to be able to measure ourselves against ourselves first. And if we don't have a case management system that allows us to sort of look at, well, how, how timely are we when we do these things? What are we, how effective are we? And again, a lot of it goes back to these IT related issues, but, uh, you know, we've got, you know, we're now part of justice, which is a big machine and they've got lots of resources and, uh, you know, I've made it quite clear everywhere I go that that's one of my priorities is to get that fixed as soon as possible. And I, I think the solutions now are a lot easier to find than they were a decade ago. Catherine, uh, final thoughts? 
Look, just um, to welcome Michael's, um, I guess, willingness to work with other agencies and, and also the sector to identify issues before they occur and also to provide that education. It might be just through sort of conversations like this or live panel discussions. I know that the VLGA certainly worked very closely with um, um, the previous in, inspector when, when he was there and also um, his predecessor and, and also we do with, with IBAC and the Ombudsman and also the Auditor General. And we've found that those partnerships are really important to bring the sector along with us um, and on, on a journey as opposed to being standalone and seen only as regulatory agencies. So really keen um, um, to work with you and your team. That's good to hear and uh, there'll certainly be plenty of opportunity for that. And, uh, once we get the restrictions lifted for Melbourne, hopefully we can, we can get out and uh, into the community and start meeting people face to face. Michael, thank you for being so generous with your time. It's great to meet you. I do recommend the Integrity Matters newsletter to anyone who wants to know more about the work of the Inspectorate. There's quite a lot of information in the latest edition that has just recently come out. And thank you for being a part of VLGA Connect for the first time, and I hope certainly not the last. Good to meet you. Likewise. Thank you very much, Chris and Catherine. Cheers. We've been speaking with Michael Stefanovic, the new Chief Municipal Inspector in the Local Government Inspectorate here in Victoria, and that's been a special special edition of VLGA Connect. Mm -hmm.